0: Welcome to the Salty Pastor. I am Jesse Mayer, your host, and Dr. Douglas Peak is our Salty Pastor. I have to say that I am pretty amazed at the growth of this podcast over the um, almost 33 episodes that we've yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. And the audience is expanding at an amazing rate, especially for something so new. We're feeling a lot of love from a lot of people, people constantly coming up and yes. saying, Hey, you're the guy that's with Dr. Uh, peak on the salty pastor we listen all the time you're famous now i'm famous as the guy next to you
1: (laughs) i'm the guy
0: i'm the guy you're that guy i am that guy
1: yeah i'm pretty surprised too you know the uh the listener uh uh, numbers of listeners and the people uh, that will even watch on youtube is is really growing you know we've discussed doing this As a way to help kind of bend the curve, so to speak, and that's a concept of how can we take what we're kind of already doing a little bit and and push it out in a way that really just helps people leverage it for the benefit of people and bless as many people as possible, particularly during the pandemic and lockdown. And it seems to have really resonated with a lot of people.
0: Absolutely, and the concept's pretty simple for this podcast. We wanted to provide an opportunity for people to go a little deeper on the Bible side, while at the same time going stronger on how these biblical principles influence us personally and the world around us
1: and that's why we settled on the salty pastor that is Remember why? we tried a couple different we names. did try a
0: couple <laughs> different names some of them had already been taken some yeah, you're like
1: we can't use that we can't use that then I go try salty pastor oh. and you go it's ours it's ours nobody's <laughs> using it but really it, it just it came about uh, as a great title because the goal is to season the world around us and if, if we're trying to just season the world with like my thoughts and opinions or your thoughts and opinions, that's really just adds to the cacophony of horse manure out there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like that phraseology? I do. The cacophony of horse manure. Um, but really what we want to do is the only thing that really can season culture and season the world is the word of God, the scripture. So we dig in on the Bible and say, okay, this is what the Bible is actually saying and teaching. And uh, you know, when you really dig into it, it, it just comes alive. And it's so relevant and influential and it speaks to our souls in ways that we never imagined. And then allow us to take it and address directly what the world believes. And so I think it's been really a great kind of thing that the Lord kind of revealed to us on how to do it.
0: Well, and the audience seems to agree. They've been giving us five-star reviews and they've yep. been commenting and, and leaving us um, really thoughtful Um blessings as far as just they really enjoy it so yeah it's awesome uh, it seems like we're doing well we're glad you're here to join us for another episode so let's dive in we're currently in a study of the book of philippians mm-hmm. this is paul's letter to the church um that he planted in the city of philippi and it was a church of people who were romans mm-hmm. paul's writing to them from prison seems to be the only time he has time Not to write, to write. He's too yeah. busy Amen all the rest of the time and he lays out how joyful he can be in any situation. So we settled on a title of hashtag blessed. We, yeah. we have the banners up today, making it a little pretty. For those of you who are watching, those of you who are just listening, you can imagine with your minds. <laughs> How awesome Jesse made it look. Well, you know, today is November 3rd. It's voting day. A lot of people
1: are going to be going out and voting for all the different elected officials, state, local, federal, across the board. And I think today's podcast and the study of Philippians is really needed because half the country. Will be happy tomorrow, and the other half upset if we know who wins and who doesn't. So, as I've been saying, you know, I think Paul teaches us how to be, uh, uh, how to live blessed even when we're stressed.
0: Well, and since we started this series, our engagement has gone up almost forty percent. Mm. So, why does this series seem to be resonating so strongly with people?
1: Well, I think everybody really realizes deep in their soul that they were meant to experience joy. You know, life is hard when we suffer either emotionally or physically or mentally. It's hard. Uh, We just naturally are magnetically pulled, gravitationally pulled towards joy and and happiness. People are thirsty for joy because as CS Lewis says, we're created for joy things like despair, negativity, unhappiness, it's exhausting. You know, it's exhausting on you. It it, it runs you down. It's bad for your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health, let alone your spiritual health or your soul. So I think that's why this resonates with people, because it's really helping them realize, well, I'm made for this, and I want to discover more about it.
0: Well, let's jump into some passages um, that you'll be preaching on this coming Sunday, uh, November 8th. Uh, we 're going to be in Philippians two twelve through thirty. Give us a brief overview um, and why you organized it this way.
1: Well, I think that I broke it into two sections because uh, section one of chapter two contains the Christology. This is a section where Paul describes the very nature of Jesus Christ and how the incarnation worked
0: well and that 's what we covered last week last week yeah and so explain incarnation well
1: incarnation is simply a term that refers to what Jesus did when he was born so Christmas we celebrate Christmas is actually a celebration of the incarnation and the prophet Isaiah said uh, it this way he said the Messiah will come and his name shall be called Emmanuel which means God with us so God came to be with us in the form of human. that's called the in And even though Jesus was born a baby, Paul's words in chapter 2 show that he was God first, and then he emptied himself to become a baby human and walk among us. And that's what sets Christianity apart from any other religion, any other philosophy or belief system out there, because God actually came to us.
0: So based on what he did by becoming human, we can follow what he did. Why would a person want to do that? Well,
1: to be joyful. You know, to be filled with happiness. When we follow the path of what Jesus did in the incarnation, we can think. So if we think like him, then we can act like him. And that allows us then to really be more joyful than we ever uh, imagined. Our model is Jesus. And if you've come to Christ in a redeemed relationship, then you have the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's or Jesus' divine presence with you at every moment that empowers you to follow his example. And that's why thinking like him helps you act like him, because the Holy Spirit is moving through you to do that. And so the reason you want to follow his path is because the world's path just doesn't work. It promises, but it never delivers. So we want to focus on more specifics of how to change our attitude about our lives, because Jesus had an attitude, right? A perception of the way reality exists. And so if we follow his attitude, then we're going to experience more joy than we ever imagined.
0: Well, let me read the first set of verses in this section. So we're going uh, chapter 2, 12 through 18. And it says, "So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to desire and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining or arguments, so that you will prove yourself to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and per- perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world." holding firmly the word of life so that on the day of Christ I can take pride because I did not run in vain nor labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink, offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me.
1: Well, that's just a great passage of Scripture. And if you've been listening, you know that we have been talking about how to change our baseline attitude moods change. They go up, they go down, but they always regress back to the mean or your baseline. So last week we pointed out, uh, how Paul showed us by following this, Example of humility from Jesus, our attitudinal baseline becomes more joyful. And that, of course, results in just a standard baseline of happiness in our lives. Right. So this section points out to the overwhelming influence of a negative baseline in your life. So he kind of is it's like a juxtaposition, a comparison. And what he says notices what you just read. He said a couple things. He goes, this is what is going to give you a negative attitude about the reality of your own life. And that is number one, not taking your faith seriously. He says, number two, ignoring God is at work within you. So if you ignore that, your attitude is going to get more negative, grumbling and complaining, arguing and disputing. You know, you become combative. You become constantly at odds. You're always on edge. These things make you more negative, uh, becoming over friendly with the culture around you. Instead of trying to be a light to the culture and salty with the culture, you just want to swim in it and enjoy all that it has to offer. And And then finally, this is very important. A lot of people don't make this connection that people are always like, you know, I, you know, I know I should read the Bible more. I should study the Bible more. Uh, I wish I knew more. About I just don't have time. I just don't like it. Da, 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 da. Well, he specifically says here at the end, if you can't hold firmly to the word of life, then you're going to be much more negative and have less joy. Mm. So, so uh, Philippians 2 uh, here, really beginning with verse 12. Let's kind of break it down specifically. He says, as you've always obeyed, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, a lot of people want to focus. What does fear mean? Well, it means you should have a healthy respect for what is about your faith and you should take it seriously. Your journey of faith is your journey. It's not somebody else's. For a guy, your wife can't pull you along in the journey of faith. You need to man up and you need to say, I'm taking it seriously because this is about me. It's about my joy. It's about my influence on my wife. It's about my influence on my children. It's about my influence on my community, my workplace. I'm not going to be a beta male anymore. I'm going to be an alpha male. That doesn't mean you're this aggressive, run around with a mohawk screaming at people. What it means (laughs) is that... I'm taking, I'm taking charge and responsibility of my life. I'm going to stand up straight, put my shoulders back, my chin up. I'm going to face the world because I take my faith seriously. So many people miss out on joy because they do not take their faith seriously. Now it doesn't mean you have to be a monk and chant Gregorian things all the time. That's not what it means. It just means this is a driving factor. In my life. And the thing is, is if you have expectations for the benefits of faith, right? You say, well, I want my faith to help my marriage or help me find the right person to fall in love with and marry. I want it to influence the way I raise my children. So they grow up to be great human beings. I I want it to influence my friendships, my politics, everything around you. But you don't take your faith seriously. Then you're going to be negative and unhappy because you're going to have all these expectations and none of them are going to come to fruition. And the reason why is because you didn't take your faith seriously. Mm. So that's really critical. If you want your baseline attitude of joy to go up, the more seriously you take your faith, in other words, you take responsibility for it yourself, the happier you become. And the second thing he says is this, verse 13, it is God who is at work in you. This is why you take it seriously, because God has a good pleasure for your life. He says, God's will for you is one of great joy, right? And God's working at you. And what happens is if you don't take that seriously, right, then that drives you crazy. God, Because God is going to be God. You know, there is a God. You're not him. God is God and you're not. So he's going to keep working towards his will. And if you're like being dragged along, you know, it's crazy. Like, like when you have the kids, little kids at home. You know, you have one kid and you haven't seen, you know, I, I would come home from work or something, and and uh, at this time, Jake wasn't born, so Zach and Mackenzie were real little. I would come home and I would go, hey – but we're my little kiddos and they would come running. Daddy's home. Daddy's, you know, and jump in your arms. That was just the greatest time. If, that, if you have little kids, enjoy that because it ends. Uh, <laughs> if my 25 year old son jumped in my arms right now, he'd make me slip a disc. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so that was so enjoy- enjoyable. But then sometimes when they had to go to bed. You know, it's like they'd play dead man. You know, where they just go, they limp, just go limp limp, and, and, you're tra- and you're dragging them across <laughs> the floor. This is what this is what they're surprisingly <laughs> heavy. <when they're, laughs> they get even so though. heavy. You're trying to pick them up. They don't <laughs> want to be picked up. You're like, oh, for crying out loud. Um, th- that's what this is like is are you running it to jump in the arms of God or are you playing the dead man thing where he's just dragging you along? In the end, God's will is sovereign. It's going to happen. Right. You know. And so your participation is, is that God has a desire. He wants to do a work in you. He's moving towards you this good uh, pleasure. But if you ignore this, then you're going to be negative, right? You're going to be negative. And so look at verse 14. Do all things without complaining or arguing, All right. Arguing, complaining, grumbling make you more negative and unhappy. Do I need to say any more?
0: No, I think, I think we got that. Okay. Um, <laughs>
1: verse 15. So that you can prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. So a healthy, joyful attitude towards life doesn't come from having great things happen to you, a joyful attitude comes when you want to be a light in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. I want you to really think about that. I I want each person listening to really, really think about that because what we tend to do is think, I'll be happy if good things happen to me. And what we don't realize is we are putting our faith in culture and society to make us happy. And then sometimes we'll even get upset and frustrated with God because he doesn't interfere in the culture, right? Right. To make us happy and give us what we want. And so that's why we're unhappy. We're not joyful. But what we could do is change our attitude and experience joy in any situation, no matter what, if we say, instead of being happy with things happening to me, I'm going to be happy because I have an opportunity to be a light in the world. You see this, what this does is it allows you to have a healthy understanding of what the world actually is. You see, you understand the world is really kind of a perverse place and it's Satan's playground and he uses it to destroy people. But that doesn't mean it's all bad. And I can have a sense that my involvement in it and my walking in it is worthwhile because it gives me an opportunity to love and to care for people and to share the truth of redemption to them and allow them to meet Jesus Christ and his overwhelming love for them. So you see how it really inverts the whole notion of what, why you're here. Number 16, he says, hold firmly to the word of life so that on the day of Christ, I can take pride because I did not run in vain or labor in vain. There, there is nothing that will make you more negative and have a bad attitude than pouring your life into non-essential pursuits because they ultimately drain the joy from your life. And the way they do that is because they promise to deliver and they never do. So they always create negativity in your life, disappointment and sadness. So if you invest yourself in the most essential things, the most important things about life, which means what is God doing in you so that he can do something through you? but will raise the value of your goals. And then when you pursue those goals, guess what happens? Your happiness increases because your joy baseline goes up. Finally, he says in verse 17, if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. And I think it's really important to understand what a drink offering is a drink offering. was, they would have like uh, wine an expensive wine or some. And what they would do is they would go up to an altar and then they would pour it out. So mm. it couldn't be used. See, a lot of sacrifices in the Old Testament were you give us an offering or a sacrifice of a bull or a lamb or doves or whatever. You'd kill it you in a certain way. You'd offer it. Then you could kind of basically barbecue it and eat it. Right. Right. But uh, a drink offering was only God's.
0: Right. It's non-recoverable. It's
1: non-recoverable. Once you pour that. Out. So it'd be like taking five $100 bills walking down in front of church and lighting them on fire. Right. Okay. They're gone now. They're, they're, they're of no value. So it's kind of like that. And so Paul is saying that that's what I'm doing for your faith. I, I am giving into your faith, pouring myself out on the altar of serving your faith. Philippians. He goes so that I can rejoice and be joyful. Share in my joy. What Jesus is doing is worth all of you, not just a part of you. So pour yourself out and you're going to find more joy than you ever had. If you're a person that hedges your bets, if you're fearful of giving your all to Christ, this ultimately leads to disappointment and negativity in your life. So you see all of those things I talked about are just laid out verse by verse by verse in this passage.
0: Well, and what great principles they are that Paul's trying to, to keep laid out for us in an easy way. And so, I guess, tell me, in verses 19 through 30, he seems to get personal, talk yeah. about some travel plans. <laughs> yeah, travel is this just like <laughs> housekeeping items? I mean, these are just letters, so it's like you would assume some of it has to be just kind of like, hey, this is what I'm doing next. What What's going on in this, this these next well, couple Well, yeah,
1: yes and no a little bit. Yes, he is talking about, hey, I want to send Timothy to you. And here we once again get a little bit more insight into the relationship between Timothy and Paul. Because then if you want to study 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, you know, by s- reading this, you understand what he wrote later to Timothy when they were separated. And Timothy was actually pa- pastoring a church that Paul had planted. And then this is the first and only reference do you, you hear to a, a, a young man by the name of uh, Epaphroditus. Now, uh, people Gesundheit. think... <laughs> right. So whenever I sneeze now, I just say coronavirus. <laughs> So it gets a smile out of some people. Uh, Epaphroditus was they believed that he was a Roman soldier and he served in the legions. And one of the things that Philippi was known for is once you retired from the legion or from the army, you were you were you had full Roman citizenship and you were usually given like like a little pension. And part of that was a chunk of land. And a lot of time that land was in Philippi. So it was, it was like a really nice place and it it was very attractive. And so you attracted a lot of high achieving people. And if you remember Philippi was started uh, the church at Philippi was started by Paul, he couldn't find a Jewish synagogue. So he goes down to the river and he meets a woman praying Lydia, who was a dealer in purple, meaning she was very wealthy. Right. So, so it was a, a highly educated, a highly civilized Roman group of people. And they took to the gospel like no tomorrow. You know, I mean, they just soaked it up. And so what happened is when they heard that Paul was in trouble, they took a big collection. Right. Because they know that when you're in prison, it's not like today where they
0: three squares. Yeah. Yeah. If you're arrested,
1: you got to pay for your own meals and pay for your own bed. You got to do all that. But you're still arrested. So they took this big collection and Epaphroditus, who is a retired military officer, is the guy who took it down to Paul. But when he got there, he got really, really sick. So he picked something up along the way, and he almost died from it, but he came back. And so what we see here in these two sections, 19 through 24, and then 25 through 30, is we see that Paul has a deep affection for Timothy, uh, similar to what he expressed to the Philippians in chapter 1. He also has a deep affection towards Epaphroditus and the relationship uh, between the Philippian people and Paul. Uh, and the things that really stand out to me is notice that he uses a phrase here, uh, to refer to him. He says, uh, he is my brother, which kind of gives you a family feel. He says he is a coworker, right? So it gives you kind of like the fact that we're a organization, you know, more of a corporate feel. And he says, and he is a fellow soldier. So he's also involved in the cause and the mission of the church. And so what this really tells me in that one sentence, he he basically says that the church of Christ of Jesus Christ is we're a family. So we operate as a family. But guess what? We're not just a family. We're a working family. So we own a business. Right. Right. So we're a working family and working families are different than just family families. Right. Absolutely. So you have to put on your business, you know, and at that time, maybe your younger brother who's a better organizer than you is the manager of the project. (laughs) You know that I'm sure that's a dynamic that has to be worked out. But then finally, you know, the church is also extremely missional just like an army has a mission to go out and conquer something. We have a mission too. And so, so this really stands out to me. If you want to be joyful, if you want your baseline to increase, then take your faith seriously and realize that the church is a family. It is a business or a corporate thing, and it's a missional thing like an army. It's all of those things. And if you keep that in balance, then your joy goes up. And so you are meant to be part of a team. You're meant to be a part of a tribe that stood together for something. And the, what you're supposed to stand for is the mission of Jesus Christ, which has a purpose to it. This is very important in raising your baseline attitude of joy is I I just don't want to be a part. I want to know where I fit the corporate part or the business part and I want to be able to make a difference in the world out there I want to shine like a star or I want to be a light to the world as a part of the church I may not be the you know, the twinkly part at the front or the top of the Christmas tree. But, you know, I want to be the pine cone in the center. You know, I'm I'm warm protected for the elements, but I'm here seeding super or, or, or future events or future right. things wherever you fit. You should fit somewhere. And what that does is that increases your baseline attitude of joy.
0: Well, that is amazing (laughs) thoughts from just even a part of a chapter. I mean, we usually cover, you know, full chapters and Mm -hmm. it seems like Philippians is a deep dive and there's so much to absorb. So it's fun to just break it down even smaller and really see what Paul was sharing with these guys. So um, this is kind of Tuesdays. Those are always kind of our deep Bible study. Thursday, we're going to be diving into how these principles apply to your life and to the world around you. Um, we just are really glad you guys have been on this journey with us. Make sure you're sharing this with your friends, leaving reviews if you haven't. Leave mm-hmm. some comments on the YouTube one. We love hearing what you like, what you don't like, um, what you'd like us to talk about next, things like that. So yeah, please love be hearing that you. and share it with your friends and family. And, you know, last thing I would say is make sure you're, you get out and vote if you haven't already. If you haven't already. <laughs> Thank you so much, and we'll see you on Thursday. All righty.
1: Blessings, everyone.